Do you know what nemesis means? A righteous infliction of retribution manifested by an appropriate agent. Personified in this case by an honorable cunt. Me. to open mic with me, Mike Creed. Real quick, before we get to the excellent talk with Jeremy Powers, Cyclocross King, um, as I've alluded to in past episodes, um, the back thing isn't getting any better, and I finally had to call time, so the uh, team is very supportive, understanding, and I uh, can't appreciate um, I can't, I can't tell them how much I appreciate that. And, uh, I love those guys. They're, uh, some of those guys on the team are my best friends. And I don't mean that in any kind of, <clears throat> um, I don't mean that in any kind of, you know, over-exaggeration or whatever. I, I mean, that's a, that's the legitimate, that's a legitimate statement that, there are guys that I consider my best friends on that team, so I'm going to miss racing with them. But I will still be at Tour Colorado, Tour Utah, but this time I'm driving the team RV. I've never driven an RV before, and uh, before you send me an Orica team bus tweet or something, just know that I've heard about 20 of them already, so unless it's incredibly original, you might want to keep it to yourself. That being said, I did go to Jeremy Powers' Grand Fondo, or the Fundo, and it was an incredible affair. Um, I am equal parts jealous and envious of what he's created. Um, I've always busted Jeremy's balls. I don't know if he always took it the right way. Sometimes I feel like he thought I was picking on him. And maybe I was, but that was maybe my schoolboy way of, that is my schoolboy way of uh, treating my friends. If I don't make fun of you, then I probably am not, I probably just don't play talk to you. Um, so that being said, I'm going to see how many times I can say that, so I'm going to play drinking game. Every time I say that being said, take a drink. Okay, back to the point, Creed. It was a really cool thing. He had over 300 people there. Uh, ice cream, food stops, uh, fluff, peanut butter and fluff food stops, uh, huge barbecue, beer on tap, raffles, and all for um, the Jam Cycling Fund, which has helped riders like Jeremy Driscoll. So, uh, in the midst of all this chaos and craziness, I managed to sneak about 45 minutes with him. Um, he's obviously really tired, and we had already spent two or three days together at this point, so the conversation isn't as uh, peppy or as fresh as the others. 
but uh, it's still really good and uh, I hope you all enjoy. Should I grind some coffee before we start? It just adds part of the atmosphere, dude. I don't give a fuck. Okay. People can do whatever they want. My favorite complaint is the lack of professional audio. <laughs> because they, uh, I mean, because they deserve professional audio because one, they paid so much for it. Right. And two, there's so many other options like this out there. Definitely. There's, I mean, yeah, over the years, there's just been a thousand of guys like you. Yeah, just doing tons of podcasts. There's so much content. Yeah. Yep. But there is Behind the Barriers. Where did this come from? Behind the Barriers came from an idea. Um, basically, I knew Sam, who's the guy that shoots that. Sam and I were friendly, got cool, like, hey, man, nice to see you, nice to see you, dude. How'd you know him? Myerson. Myerson, okay. Parking lot in Portland during a USGP in 2004 or five. Okay. Maybe even before that. And Sam was doing these transitions videos where he was kind of showcasing cyclocross in the states and selling it at the end of the year all of the races that had happened oh uh, so he was like putting out his own little thing he was putting out yeah he was just doing small time stuff he went to school in Massachusetts he lived in Boston I had seen him around a bunch and then in 2007 I asked him hey because he had done a video with like a day in the life but had sold that at the end of the year just like one segment just like what it was like you know and we ran around and it was fun <laughs> so it was about you the day in the life was with you yeah but it was a, it was a bunch of different people he did okay. it with like Ryan and Adam and Barry Wicks and a bunch of riders and that was called Transitions I believe then he did a video called Cross the Pond so he came over and saw like life in Europe I was also I had a feature in that because it was with US riders so I got to know him through that stuff sure through video specifically and then we had stayed in touch for a year or two in between that and then I was like hey I really want to do like I want to just use a flip camera and send you the footage and then have you edit it. And he didn't think that that was a bad idea, but then I never got it together to send him the footage. And of course. Then, and then it was about 2010 and I had asked him if I could just basically pay for all his expenses if he wanted to do this cool trip with me where we would just go around and whatever races I could afford or he could get to, I would just house him, put him up, feed him, and then um, we would make a show. And so that's kind of how it started out. And the idea behind it was to really just like showcase the personalities. At the time, it was Tim and Jamie and I and Caitlin Antonu and Lynn and just Stu, the whole crew, the Cannondale crew, and what we had going on. And then, uh, and then it was it turned into what it turned into. But the idea behind it was always to like basically bring fans to the races because it's kind of been my mo for a really long time. Is that I don't think that cyclocross you can be a fan of cyclocross because I don't think there's enough material to be a fan of. So I don't oh. think people know who the riders are. I don't think people know how the races should be spectated. I don't think that people even know that there are races maybe to spectate or that there is a, a, a scene, a cyclocross scene, so especially in the States. So, um, so yeah, so that was always the idea is bring this, this project. Basically, if the fans can't come out, we'll bring it to them. And that's sort of what we did. <laughs> that was, it's a good idea, too, because obviously a little bit like with the podcast, I think when you spend so much time in cycling, you realize that the best stories are often the back stories, the stories nobody gets to hear. Mm. Like, yeah. there's so much more personality than what you see. Yeah. What you see, like, your friends say in the press or how the writer writes up the story. You kind of. You For know, sure. You want to bring that a little bit to light. But, like, to be the first one to do it, especially with video. Yeah. 
Yeah, and I, I think I think you know something like this, some of the stuff you put out there is definitely a closer look at what the reality of of what we're doing is. I yeah. think Phil does a really good job with his blog. You know, there are a couple guys that blog out there that actually write and they do it well. They can tell the story and people can get into it and laugh about it because yeah. you know I'm, I'm a terrible writer. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Yeah, I mean I blog, but it's like it's just it's run on sentences. It's way too many commas. You know, I, I can't yeah. I can't let them see the story. I have to really work hard it takes me probably 10 times as long to tell a story <laughs> with text as it does with video because i can like you know you can see my expression and you yeah. know how i act or whatever so that's a lot better for me and i knew that and that's why my my venue is is video but you have a lot going on so you have like the behind the barriers mm-hmm. which is you guys started filming the first yep. episode for this season yep. with your jam fund and that was I mean, I I knew that you did a lot of work with the Jam Fund, but it wasn't until I got here and you're like, you see exactly how much, like, you're not just putting your name on it. Sure. You, I mean, you're out, we were out painting the street, like, streets, mm-hmm. putting up, so I, every decision went through you. You weren't just, like, mm. the head of it. Like, <laughs> I was, I was really impressed. Like, what makes you want to take that on full brunt instead of, Delegating some of the duties to other people. You there's, there's there's a, control. I can see a little type A in you. No, definitely, but that's that's not it. the mo- the bigger part is is, is how do you want to be like how do you, how do you want to be seen how do you want to be remembered and I would like to not be remembered as like a guy that just took I want to be a guy that like gave a lot and I want to do a hundred percent for everything that I'm doing so that's that was a hundred percent of what I'm capable of right behind the barriers is a hundred percent of what I'm capable of. And so if I feel like if I'm not giving that, even with Cross, even with all my results, everything that I'm doing is like 100% of what I feel I can contribute to the sport or to my friends or family or all those people. I know that sounds really deep no, no, and no, maybe no, a little no, weird, yeah. but it is. It is my absolute biggest contribution. And I couldn't do a better job than I did yesterday with that event yeah. um, with the amount of time that I have now. No. Okay. <laughs> and then you, walk, you did all that. You're super, I mean, you've been going to bed super late and then you woke up at you know, 5.45 this morning, I go do a photo shoot at 6 a.m. Mm-hmm, yeah. And then, I mean, you're doing tour of Utah, like, yeah. I always bust your balls a bit about, like, taking the whole, <laughs> whole spring, midsummer off, but then it's like, yeah, it, I kind of get it now when I see how yeah. slammed you yeah. get towards this time. Yeah, definitely. This time of the year is, is sort of, this year, so, right, so some, it's like, someone once said, oh yeah, it's like a lot of penguins on a little iceberg, and, and how many can actually fit on, the, on there before they, they start sliding off, and so, I, uh, I'm definitely on that, like, there's only so many projects that can go on before they start to fall off, and, and at a certain point, like, this year, there was an opportunity to not, to, to basically not do some of the cyclocross camps that I do, and usually yeah. in August, and those are great, I love doing those, again, because I can give someone locally a lot of knowledge, and I can let them take that to their community, and hopefully they learn how to teach someone else how to do. You really want to be an ambassador for cyclocross. I try. That's my. That's because I think that the sport's really all. I think it's great. I think it's a really great way to get into cycling. I think mountain biking is a great way to. But I mean, very few people, unless there's an event or a big something like the Tour of Colorado, can definitely inspire people to get on their bikes. Yeah. Um, cyclocross and mountain biking are the more fun. It's like a completely different way to get involved. I think a local cyclocross race can inspire more people to get on a bike than a local circuit race or a local criterion. I think so. I think so too. And uh, I think that there's... Right, how do I benefit from that? I don't, but it's just my passion. So 
Right? <laughs> yeah, that's that's what I'm into. You uh, with the behind the barriers, how much how much uh, production do you put into that personally? Like, what like do you have to edit it a lot, or does Sam like know pretty much what the Cause, I mean, there's never like any real storyline in them. That's usually just following around. But is there some stuff yeah. that you try to convey more than is natural? Or? Some sometimes we map out a certain scene, or we we know like, hey, we're gonna go into this. You know, we're gonna go into this bike shop, and you know, this is the probably the thing that you want to get. I mean, I'm gonna be yeah. seeing this guy for the first time, or like, hey, we're gonna go do this interview with Niels Albert, or we're gonna do this interview with this other guy, this Australian guy. Like, this is. You know, let's make sure we get that. Yeah. And let's make sure that, like, we're on our A game here. There's not really a lot of... I don't think... There's only been one scene that we've actually, like, planned out in the yeah. entire four years or three years we've done it. Yeah. And, uh... And so... And that was barely planned. That was like, hey, dude, do this, and I'll do this. Okay, yeah, sure. Uh... But now... Now, as this show has kind of gotten to a point where there's, you know, we're getting a, a lot of people watching. And so, like, how do you how do you keep it relevant? And so that's the idea is we, we have this idea that we may do a television, like, behind the barriers TV is what we're going to call that. Hmm. Um, that's a whole other story. But to answer your question, yeah. the, the writing of the episodes is something that we're doing this year. Like, with this event specifically, the, the, the Fundo Weekend, our charity event, we... I mapped out the entire thing for Sam. This is these are the characters. These are the people you'd want to pay attention to. This is their story. This is what you should look to get from them, and so on and so forth, so that he had a better idea of what to expect and what to look for, because he had never met any of these people and he doesn't know what this event's about. So when he goes to a when he goes to a an event that he doesn't know anything about, it's a lot different than if he's going to Gloucester again. Gloucester is easy for him. Right, right. Easy. The dog, he's, he's, the dog is kind of ripped that he's not involved in the podcast, <laughs> so he wants to, he wants to get in here. Um, you want to see around my train of thought? Well, How many people did you have on there? You had like 300? Three, yeah, with day of, probably about 350, which is exactly what we had last year, but the heat definitely turned some, some folks off. Yeah. It was 100. <laughs> and, really the, and the cool climbs are steep. You like, yeah, feed zones every 20 miles, you had like a ice cream truck. It was really well put together. It's like impossible to get lost in the course, dirt roads. Yeah, and that that was that's nice about that event is that you know I like to go on rides, but everybody like you hate going on a ride where you have to like navigate it. Yeah. Who wants to do that? No yeah, one wants yeah. to go on a ride where you have to yeah. navigate a ride. Like oh, oh oh left left here left here. I think left here. I think um Maybe. and then or like you have to stop halfway through the intersection and look down and figure out where you go. So yeah, I mean that's the biggest thing is that we try to really mark it so that if you know you're a participant, you can just go out. And it's not about, like, the hardest ride in the world. We want to make it hard if you want it to be hard, but it's also, it can be a fun ride. Yeah. It's not really a race. You can make it what you want, and then you can come back and uh, eat a really nice, you know, lunch with us, and we raffled off, like, a ton of stuff yesterday. Yeah, yeah. Well, I remember what I was going to say before that fucking dog messed me up. <laughs> I remember uh, the uh, first time I saw the Behind the Barriers thing, it was at Torrey, California, and you had Sam following you around the camera. <laughs> it just blew my mind. I was like, what? I mean, the balls it took to show up, to show up to, you had like Tom Bonin, oh you had like Tom Bonin, uh, whoever, yep. you have all these guys yep. in there, and like, 
marquee riders, and then there's Jeremy Powers getting followed by a fucking <laughs> camera crew. Yeah. That yeah. was an impressive display of balls, my friend. I mean, yeah, no doubt. That was definitely, I was a little embarrassed, I'm not even going to lie to that. I was a little bit like, oh man, this is like, I'm a little embarrassed, because guys were, guys were razzing me. But oh, at the yeah. same time, I was like, that's, I'm, I'm okay with that, because that's, that's, yeah. I wanted to show Talk people, to business, yeah. yeah, I wanted to show people what, like, that, that, because it's the whole picture, right? It's like, okay, this is what this guy does in the summer, because, yeah. you know, they're following our main character, which is, yeah. happens to be me. Yeah. And so, we're going through... <laughs> You know, even if that's in a lunch line, you know, and then I'm like, hey, how's it going to this rider or that rider? You know, and that happened to be the stage that got canceled with the snow and like oh, yeah, the whole right. thing. So it was, it was kind of like this weird, you know, Sam didn't even actually see any of the racing. He just saw all the like the presentation and the running around and like getting the t-shirts, like, you know, yeah. getting ties that match and like all the guys getting ready and like, you know, the jokes and the hijinks and then like getting the numbers and the serious stuff. I mean, people don't really get to experience that. Like, even even if Garmin or like Cervelo or whoever were doing these videos, you know, they're all very much. Those are yeah. those are not. That's they're not heavily a, produced. Absolutely. So this is this is more like no. This is what it's like at least from my perspective. This is what it's like if you're on a D three team, and this yeah. is what this event brings. I mean, it's a 2010 Tour of California for Jelly Valley was a big deal. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. It, it's it's the biggest race all year. Absolutely. And then you know, had Sam been able to stay, it just wasn't in the budget for me because it was yeah. again. We're doing this on like zero on zero dollars, so it's really incredible, like that you have the balls to take it out of your <laughs> pocket, you know? Because like I think yeah. a lot of cyclists have like you have these passive ideas, like wouldn't it be cool with this? But then you're like mm -hmm. basically the only one to do it. Like I'm how not, much confidence yeah. did that? I mean, <laughs> I haven't been married for a long time, so I've been able to just burn <laughs> money at will. Sure. Like I feel, <laughs> yeah. which maybe prevents some other riders from doing that. But that, but for me, it's like. I really want to do stuff and I get these ideas and then I sit and stew on them on these four or five hour rides and then I'm like, yeah, I'm just going to do it because, because if I don't do it, I'm never going to do it. Right. When else am I going to do that? Yeah. When else am I going to have a charity event that raises whatever for, you know? Yeah, no, I think that's the reason I did the podcast. It was like, well, dude, you're going to retire. Yeah. Like, you're not going to have access to these guys for much longer. Yeah, you, you still will, but yeah. Not to the same extent. But like, you won't see us as often. My investment was a $100 recorder. <laughs> I know sure. I'm not flying people out to like videotape. Right. Moose, come on with the itching and the scratch. You're messing up the audio again. Moose, I will fucking end you. <laughs> you know what I mean? Moose is my dog for everyone listening. Yellow lab, two years. Gorgeous dog. You need to get a photo? Let's figure this out. What's going on? No, I think we're good. No, man, how are we doing? Finish your thing. Take care of business. 20 more minutes? Yeah, that's fine. Chris Milliman's here taking photos. Powers is a big deal. He gets this photo <laughs> taken quite a bit. <laughs> I won't. I, I mean, I'm not really not a big deal. Powers, but. you don't remember about this Toy Cop morning we showed with yeah. Sam. Is uh, <laughs> you kept avoiding me. <laughs> you kept avoiding me. Like we'd get together, we'd we'd get in chat a lot, and you kept avoiding me. Finally, I called you on it. I'm like, Powers, what are you doing, man? You keep dodging me. And you said, you said, because, dude, you're just gonna make fun of me. I mean, <laughs> and it was at that point where I kind of like realized, like, fuck, it is kind of hard to be my friend sometimes. Well, I'm glad that I pointed that out. No, it's but just it was like... the most honest answer at that point, whereas everybody would. 99 percent like, no, man, I'm not bored. What's going on? But I, the fact that you were just like, because, dude, you're just going to make fun of me. I mean, you know, I knew you would win. I knew you would win. I'm just like, I, I'm different. Like, I'm not like you, like Phil, like Mike Jones. Like, there's been a ton of guys that I've been friends with that I love hanging out with because they're like, 
bam, like they're funny as hell right off the cuff. I, I jam with those guys, but I can't go I can't go back and forth with them. Like if you give me ten minutes on Twitter, I can write something witty. But yeah. I need I need a form I need a form. You were thinking about the reply in your hotel room. <laughs> like I should have said this decree. No, I do I that all know. the time. I'm just like I should have fucking told that guy off. And I should have said <laughs> I should have said that. That's what I should have told him. But then I'm like, eh, whatever. I because I remember uh, I remember El Grove one year. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, I was just being a jerk, right? Yep. I was just being a jerk, busting your balls. And I said something like, um, I think I told you, uh, Psychocross is nothing but some mediocre mountain bikers <laughs> and mediocre road I, I vaguely remember it, but that and I can't... I remember, like, there's a second where you just, like, looked at me like, do you not respect Psychocross? And I, like, I remember I had to stop there. I was like, oh, fuck that. <laughs> No, no, no. I think I said, oh, yeah, I've never fucking heard that one before, Creed. Oh, that one? Yeah, yeah, because, like, oh, yeah, eight powers. She's supposed to be racing second cross in the summertime. That's, like, a good one, man. That's, like, yeah. Yeah, but regular insult. Yeah, but if I show up to a, a cycle cross race, you're telling me I wouldn't hear the same insult from. That is a good point, though, because I do. That just. It doesn't hit a nerve anymore, because I feel like I've gained enough respect. Like, but there was a time when you feel like. Dude, no one, no one actually gets that this is like another. This is like a whole different thing. Like I'm not, sure. I'm not having you show up to the cycle cross race. Like Lance right. isn't coming out smashing the cross races. Right, right. Taylor right. Finney's not coming out and like, hey guys, like doing the look back. None of that's happening because it's a different thing. <laughs> so it's like I respect the talents that other riders have, and then I expect that they have at least an appreciation even if they don't like say like oh he's good like i don't care i don't care if you think i'm good or if not like i know where i stand but at least respect the talent you know because i respect that it's gotta be a weird feeling because a lot of the people you race against the road don't race cross so there's not like a chance for you to line up and kind of show them the level of the sport right and kind of be at ease with it so you kind of yeah and then there's just the difference between like what is top 10 in a world cup in cyclocross, and what is top 10 at the Tour de France? And it's it's hard to say, right? Because top 10 at a World Cup, that's all the best guys from every country. Sure, sure. <laughs> and the Tour is like all the best guys that, you know, anyone that's at the Tour is legit. Right, right. No one just happens to be at the Tour. Right. They've done something. No, no I don't think there's many. I, I think you're a bit sensitive. I don't think anybody really... I think it's one of those things where I know that I've talked so much shit about cyclocross <laughs> that I can't race one cross race. Like, I couldn't. Like, I, we I'm, would too far, you. I'm too far in. We would welcome you in. Oh, no way. Because as soon as I got, like, <laughs> as soon as I got in the 40s and 50s place, I would just have to bail and just ride home. <laughs> just get the fuck out of there. <laughs> so, like, last year you had a really good season, right? You won. You were on a tear in the early season. Mm-hmm. Um... And then the world in Louisville, like that had to be a hell of an experience. It was definitely an experience. Yeah, the beginning of my season went perfect. I hit like basically all my goals all the way until December, yeah. and I won races from essentially, you know, August until February. I won the first race I did, and I won the last race that I did. Yeah. And I podiumed the weekend before Worlds with two world champions, basically the under twenty three former world champ, and then Niels Albert, who is the current world champ. So that was. I would say that would be my highlight, and then I won in Tokyo, um, which was my last race of the year. But the big races, the ones that like really mattered, that had a lot pinned on them, nationals and worlds, went kind of like complete shit for me. Um, 
and I just bit off more than I can chew. I mean, I could go into a thousand details. It seems like a weird balance though, because like you have to have points. I chase points hard. That was one of the big things. So how do you chase points and then like stay fresh? Mm, I don't need the points. I could have started on the second row, but I got fixated. I basically, so a lot of people called me out. I'm like, oh, I don't like, even if it was passively, I don't put goals out there that I can't achieve or something like that. You know, you read that in the press and you're like, well, that's how you work. But how I work is if I put a goal out there, then I go to achieve it because I put it out there. So it's just how it's just how different people you're work. You're really sensitive to that stuff, huh? Like you really. I pay have, attention. Yeah, you really. <laughs> like I feel like you're really sensitive to any kind of criticism. Like it really, you, you not like in a bad way. But, but it motivates me. Yeah. So, but I don't write angry, but I listen. So if like someone's like, you know, if someone, even like a Belgian commentator says like, oh, he's he's shit. Like this guy, this guy's shit. This guy's American. He's like not really dedicated. He's not this. He's not that. That that's like a click and save, you know. Yeah. Like, okay, I'll remember that. And then I just like store those up and, and I write them down or I kind of make mental notes of them. And so that's like a motivator, you know. So I ride a little bit like that, like a little chip on the shoulder. No, dude, that's different. Riding with a chip on your shoulder is like I'm mad at you. I ride. I ride with like I want to prove you differently. Huh. I know that sounds. Weird. It's like the same sure, thing, sure, but sure, it's sure. yeah. Believe in in yourself. That's that's pro. It's like yeah. <laughs> when you say you accomplish these goals, like are they hard to go back to because you've already accomplished them? Then because if you are riding with uh, an "I'll show you" attitude, hmm. if you sat, if you get that, if you get that top ten at World Cup, is it going to be hard to get that energy back, or are you just going to? No, because the goals change, right? So like last year, last year, I really wanted to. Be in the top five at Worlds. I thought I, I thought I definitely could be in the top ten. That was that was truly within my range. Had things gone in the right, you know, if some of the stars had lined up, I could have done that. Um, but that didn't happen. But uh, but yeah, for me, last year, some of my goals were I wanted to win Vegas because a lot of the biggest, a lot of our big sponsors on the team are all there present, and so that was like a really big goal of mine. And I came in, I came in flying. I was national champ. I had. I hit all my goals, like power-wise, training-wise, weight-wise. All those things were lined up. And so I just had to go out and do it. And then I did it, and I was like, oh, man, that just gained so much momentum for me. Yeah. Uh, and then after that, my next goals were to win all the Category 1 races. To max out, in cyclocross, you can get six Category 1 wins, and they're worth like 100 points each or something. 80, I think, actually. And then uh, I nailed all those. I won them. All the ones that I entered, I won. So, okay, I'm done with that. Now, my next goal is I'm going to focus on the World Cup, and I had already gotten seventh. So I was seventh, and then the next weekend I got crashed out by this kid from Italy who was riding like a dipshit. He hooked me in the corner sure. and then apologized to me on Twitter after he, after he motherfucked me on the ground, though. Yeah. Anyway, um, so that was, that was a little brutal. <laughs> Went to Roubaix, and I had bike problems, but I rode the fourth, eighth, and twelfth like fastest times of the day. Like, like Basically, I'd run really good lap times had I not had problems, and... So the goals were just to continue to gain points and I didn't have to focus on the category ones. I had already won enough C2s. I had already won enough C1s and the goal was just now get points at the World Cups because that's the only place I could accrue points. But what that did to me was led me to like big training blocks and I flew across the world like Push four times. And, yeah, and I ended up coming up Are you going to change flat. it this year? Are you going to go to Europe a little less? Well, the question that is now is like how how much resources is there available with the program that I'm with? Which there are there are great resources, but can they afford to send me back and forth to Europe? And do I, I would it's better for me to be based in Europe 
if I'm going to race World Cups because flying back and forth is too hard. It is rough. And and uh, but I do I do know that I'm not I don't want to continue to race. I want to race at the highest level because that's where I that's where I belong. If you're racing the top ten in the World Cups, you know the, I've been top fifteen in the World Cups. I don't know ten times or something, eight times. So I definitely that's that's where I should be. And uh, so it's about figuring it out now. I think it's about not needing. You have to get to the point where you don't need all the stars to align to get that top that top For sure. placing. It's For figuring sure. Figuring out how to be uh, more bulletproof. Definitely, yeah, no, and I know where my chinks in the armor are. Yeah. You know, I know like my running isn't isn't. I'm not the best runner in the in the top fifteen guys, and I know I'm not the best mutter in the top fifteen guys. Yeah. And so I know that those are two major areas that have to be worked on. And so I've been running a lot this summer, and I've been using a bunch of different methods to try to get like training techniques to try to get my lower cadence work good because I'm a high I'm a high cadence guy, and that's why I suck in the mud because <laughs> you got to push a big gear for a yeah. lower torque to get traction. When you uh, when did you first come to Belgium? When you were you were into mountain biking for a bit, and then you did road racing, mm-hmm. and then uh, you obviously came over to Izegem a bit with the was it the under twenty three program or the or the junior program? Under twenty three program. Under twenty three program. Jeff Proctor had a cross camp called the Euro Cross Camp. The Northampton Cycling Club, who was been you know was at the the ride yesterday, they helped pay to get me over to Jeff's camp. It was the first year it happened. I impressed. Jeff and Noel. Noel, I asked if I could stay. He was the under twenty three director. Anyway, he was a lot of USA Cycling's like success or people that you're seeing yeah. now. Noel had a part of that. He said I could stay. I stayed there solo the year after Jeff's camp, all through January, and then I raced once. Alone in Isigan. Alone in Isigan. That's the first time I met you. That is. <laughs> and you told me some more stories. And I believe you showed me where the key was. Oh yeah. You yeah. showed me. Tell me. You show me where the everybody. Tell us about the first time that we met in Isigum. <laughs> it's funny because the time you... I don't want to spoil it, but you told me how you were really mad at me, but then you figured out I was right. <laughs> Wait, I don't think I remember that part. You told me that you were really pissed because I told... Because you... Uh, I vaguely remember meeting you because there was this guy who showed up with four bikes. You know, like you showed... Because you showed up with your road and cross bikes. Yeah. What, why did you bring so many bikes? Oh, I'm staying for cross. I'm like, you're fucking staying here? <laughs> yeah. And then you're like, I don't know if you asked me for advice or I gave you unsolicited advice. <laughs> yeah. I don't remember how it went, but I told you. Because you're like, oh, yeah, I'm not in that great of shape, but I'm just going to ride into it. Yeah. And I told yeah, you. Yeah, this is actually true. This is actually true. This is, <laughs> and so I said, that's a big fucking mistake. <laughs> Like, yeah. You're like, why? You need to come to Europe with your best possible fitness. Yeah. Because it's so hard over here. If you're not top, if you're not fit, all you do is get more tired. That's actually so. The best part about that is I've actually given that advice to other people. But do you remember how you told me how pissed you were at me? <laughs> you just, yeah, because you know you're you know you're fucked. You're like, okay, perfect. Now, <laughs> so it's like. That's yeah. a big learning curve right there. <laughs> yeah, you go to Europe with anything but great fitness. You just get worse. You get sick. You get tired. You get yeah. fucked. I wasn't even on Jelly Belly then, I don't think, though. Was no, I? No, I don't think I so. I don't think so. I think you were just standing alone. No, actually, I was on Jelly Belly. Because I, I had, yeah, I had done that first year there, and then that was my next year. And I had done, only done, I didn't do any real race. I did, like, Philly and, like, uh, small races with, with Jelly Belly that year. I was just getting my feet wet. I was only, I was only 20. 
Have you been with Jelly Belly the whole time? Mm-hmm. From the start. How, when did it start? How did it start? Oh, from, from Jelly Belly's first year you were on it? No, from my first year was... From your first year was, was how many years? So you've been on Jelly Belly for how long? Nine years. Nine years. Yeah. You're like... Yeah. Nobody's been on longer than you. No. I don't think anyone's ever been on a protein longer like that. Like, that's just... Do you get tenure at this point? Like, he, can he fire you or are you just <laughs> in? I'm sure there's some kind of labor clause where he can't get rid of you. Uh, I mean, I know everyone at Jelly Belly pretty well, the company. Yeah. You know, because that's, that's for sure, that's long term. Yeah. Um, and, and yeah, I don't know. They're good partners. Jelly Belly is a really good company. Yeah. Not even, I'm not just spinning that for sure, the podcast. Sure. They're, they're good. They're great people and they've been ultra, ultra supportive of Danny and his program and what he's trying to do. Yeah. So I don't know if I have tenure, but I've definitely been there a long time. <laughs> How was the going on your own thing with Rafa? Like you were with the cyclocross world thing for a while and that seemed like a big setup. And then, yep. I mean, obviously like. Everybody wants to win in cross. Mm-hmm. Like, there's only one winner. There's not necessarily an abundance of teamwork that can be done. Yep. And, I mean, you could obviously, like, not talking out of school or anything, but you can, you could tell that there was a bit of, like, rivalry between teammates at Cyclocross World because everybody wants to win. Yeah. You know? Like. Wow. And Tim was, Tim was, Tim Johnson, you know, was my teammate. And he was, he was crushing it at that point. I mean, he was riding, he was riding me off his wheel. Yeah. You know, in those years. But the, the greatest thing about those guys was I linked up with them in 2007 when Tim was riding for Cannondale and I was just riding for Stu, who owns Cyclocross World. And and uh, I learned a lot from those guys about how to take care of myself. Like, more than I had ever learned on Jelly Belly, more than I had ever learned from all the years I was racing Cyclocross. You know, when I linked up with them, that was when that kind of catapulted me. Awesome. Yeah, for sure. To the next level because they showed me how to, like, pack for real you know they told me about how serious this was going to be and how it's like serious i needed to take it and then i could like you know you just you you learn from people that have more experience that's the same reason that anyone hires a coach the same reason for all that you know you you learn from from but when you started progressing and getting better Mm -hmm. there's always that i mean in road teams there's that yeah when the young guy comes up yeah and he starts knocking off the old guard Mm -hmm. i mean yeah it was time there's on there's an Sometimes it's a really clear balance, and like, and the old guard just lets go. But sometimes, if, if the old guard's not ready to let go, like sometimes there is. I mean, especially a team van, a team van full of three, <laughs> it's gonna get like a little awkward. Like there has to be For an sure. awkward moment. Yeah, well, and, and everyone wants the king's head, right? Like, yeah. you know, my goal, whether I whether I was saying it or not, was always, you know, I'm going after Tim. Like that, yeah. he's 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 the guy that I see, and he's got he's had a lot of success. You know, and so it's like there's guys right now probably that are gunning for my like for my head. Sure. And and that's what the, that's that's how it goes. And it's how you how do you stay, you know, how do you stay up? Like how do you yeah. how do you not let that affect you? And so I think when when I started, you know, there, there's some when I beat Tim at the 2010 like Portland USGP, he and I went into the last race. Uh, the race was worth like 20 points to win, and we were separated. We we were tied at 10 points. Wow. So yeah, so whoever won the last race, you know, of an eight race series. Did you guys talk about it beforehand? No. It was just unspoken. Yeah. It wasn't. Wow, I'm gonna that must try to be so us. weird. It was, yeah, no, we were like, te- I said this to you on a ride with day. I mean, we were teammates, friends, competitors, you know, all, everything that you could be was definitely like, it, it, it worked because yeah. we were both like grownups, sure. but I was way, I'm way younger. Yeah. I mean, I'm five or six years younger than Tim. Yeah. So... For sure, it, for sure, it was weird, and and uh, that was the day that I believe that like 
that was the that was the day I grew up. That was the day that it was over for me. I I had beaten Tim at a race where we both really wanted to win. Yeah. Um, and I had won the series, and so that was like a different level of focus that I had ever had. Yeah. Um. So yeah. So it's all it's all what you make it, but you know, for me, that was a big thing. Yeah. To beat Tim at the final GP on the last day of the series. Yeah. When did you? So you're on Cyclops World. You're, you're getting better and better. Mm. When did you see like this Rafa thing happening? An ability to kind of break off and do your own thing. I've always said now that as soon as someone from a company that feels legitimate or serious, like I always take it seriously now. Yeah. Someone comes to me and says, "Hey, I would like to try to create a partnership, you know, or whatever. I want to sponsor you, however they put it." It's always like, "Okay, yeah. okay, I want to take that seriously. I want to see full that see that full through because." Some of the, like when Slate basically from Rafa called and said, Hey, I really like you and I like what you're doing and I think that you're awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Essentially. Yeah. I wanna I wanna try to create a cyclocross team. I love cyclocross and yeah, and I think you'd be a perfect fit for our company. And I was like, Okay, cool. Well you guys don't have a program and I don't know you from a hole in the wall and I'm not leaving this awesome tried and true super well oiled machine to come over to your program just just to just, just because that you said you like me. Yeah. So I let them do their program for a year, which was that 2010 year. And they had... just kind of watched it from afar. Yeah, and they had Chris Jones. And I, I, they, had a, they had Chris Jones and maybe Zach. I'm not sure. Sure. And then uh, and then that next year, he came back to me again. I was like, hey, I'm really serious. I want, I want to sign you again. And now we're going to sit down and talk to you. And I had already had the connection to focus from Jelly Belly at that yeah. point. So now they're sponsoring Raw for Focus, uh, and they're with Jelly Belly, and so I knew the guys at Focus, and then they came to me, and they gave me a lot of assurance that they would build the team out around what I needed to get to the World Cup level, and that they wanted to grow with me. And then that first year, we all had tons of success on on Raw. Was it uh, nerve-wracking at all, like, or was oh, it yeah. exciting to have no. people around you? No, I was super nervous. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, I didn't know Hopper, who's my mechanic. So leaving Stu was like really, Stu's you know, one of an incredible mechanic. So that was super nervous because in cyclocross, it's not just hey, you know, I get my fit done and that's cool. Yeah. And we got last that year we had six machines. You know, yeah. two in Europe, four here, training bike. So even seven, um, and they all have to be set up identical. All the seats have to get broken in. You yeah. know, the training wheels like. Things have to go. I mean, this is like a it's whole a, service a course a for one rider. Yeah. yeah, each rider has to have their own mechanic. I mean, there's like so many logistical things that. That's what always annoying me with cyclocross <laughs> is that everybody would say like, "Oh, it's so laid back and it's great." Like you just go casually, yeah. and then you're like, "Not if you want to win, asshole." Yeah, like, no. the way the tires are glued. I mean, the little things like the way the seats are tilted. I mean, there's so many like, you know, little tricks. It's just all this stuff, you know. It's like if one bike doesn't feel the same, it handles differently, and yeah. it's, you know, there's like a big handling aspect to the sport, and so, yeah. <laughs> there's a whole, it's a whole, it's a lot. Was it, but it must have been a relief to finally get that at success, and you're just like, okay, now I come. We definitely had, yeah, we had a couple small things, a few rolled tires, you know, we had like, yeah, the, just like growing pains of, of first year, but we had success right away too. We won races right from the start. Do you, do you find like with the behind the barriers, like the sponsors are? Because, I mean, that's a whole... You bring a whole thing to the table that no other rider can. So, like, even if you... You're obviously not a mediocre rider, but even if you were a mediocre rider, mm -hmm. the, the the content you put out is, like, free. It grabs a lot of eyes, maybe more than a Bella News article or 
a cycling news banner ad mm-hmm. that somebody could take out where they're like, oh, we could give Powers a few K and get get a little... Uh, have you had sponsors approach just purely for Behind the Barrier? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, e- Eco Products last year, I, I mean, I can give you the idea. Like, basically what they spent, they had in the first episode 300... Like, not in the first episode. That's actually wrong. They made back in sales um, over half of their investment. Right. In the first day of the first episode. Yeah. Yeah. They literally, with click-through sales, mark, like, mark, like, they know exactly this. They had more than half their investment back in one day. Wow. And we gave them six months of advertising. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Do you run that, or does somebody else run that, like, side of the business approach? Jake. Jake runs that. Jake, runs Jake basically, I mean, I do talk to them, of yeah. course, yeah. yeah. And that started out again with, I just put it out on the internet, like, hey, would anyone be interested in supporting the show? And yeah, people that had, you know, $10,000 to put into a show, they wanted to come in and, you know, do that type of thing. So that was where it, that's where it starts for us. And, uh, yeah, they've been great partners. They, they gave all the stuff for yesterday's event as well. So, so where are you going to go? Dude, like how much longer are you going to do the cross thing? Do you have like a ultimate keystone Mm -hmm. moment for you? Mm -hmm. What's that? (laughs) I would like to try to podium some world cups. And I want to give it 110% until, like, I know that it's over. There will be a moment when you know that, like, okay, I used to be getting fifth. Every year that I've gone to Europe, I've done a better result. Yeah. And the year that I don't do a better result, or the year that I don't continue to progress, that's the year it's over. For sure. Not cold turkey, but it will be over. Yeah. I just don't want to do it, or I probably won't want to continue to do it, because it's... There's a lot of sacrifices. Yeah. Like with family and friends and just things that I would like to do besides yeah. cycling. <laughs> yeah. Like every pro. But with like, you know, Tim's retiring at the end of the year. Yeah. Um, who, who, it always, for me at least, it always helped to have like that one guy that I was always gunning for. The one mm-hmm. guy that I needed to like keep, that I used as. Who was that? A benchmark. It would always change. It would always <laughs> change. Like for a long time, it was Moniker. Yeah. Like, I always wanted to be around Moniker. Yeah. He uh, was good. Yeah. You know, like, and a we, legend, man. Yeah, and we were, like, at the same races, mm-hmm. and we'd do this. Um, I mean, it'd always change. I mean, it'd be race to race. Like, Chris Weary. Yeah. Whoever. Um, <clears throat> Phil Zychak for a long time. Yeah. Um, now that Tim's leaving, like, yep. do, you, do you have to do that, or is it just about winning? Now it's, I mean, the goal, like, those are the goals change. <clears throat> and I was saying this to you the other day, too, is that, like, you know, you do it for different reasons throughout your life. Yeah. You start out and you do it because you want to have something fun to do in an yeah. outlet. Yeah. Then you start doing it for your parents because they've invested a lot and you want to, you know, yeah. you want to make them proud. Yeah. And then you start to do it because you want to impress your girlfriend or <laughs> you want to, like, make your sponsor happy. Or you have that team director that motivates you that you want to showcase your talent to. And so it's about, it's about well, a little bit more about you and less about your parents. And then it becomes monetary. And then now you want to make money. Yeah. So it's like you go through these whole things as a pro where it's like, okay, there's all these different reasons to want to do this. Um, and when those, when you, I mean, I'll call it your kill or whatever. If you lose that, yeah. th- that's not, as a pro bike racer, that's not coming back. No. So that's why I really do truly need to be in Europe. Yeah. And so that's the next thing. It's not, it's not that I like, I don't want to leave all my friends. I have a great yeah. group of people that I'm friends You've with here. you too far though. Yeah, I just, like, I, don't, I just don't want to sit there and say when I'm 36 or whatever, like, man, I should have done that and I should have tried to win 
you know, there's like, there's a handful of races that I can definitely do well in Europe that I know the course and I know where I stand on it. And, and I could be on the podium if things, again, if I train correctly and I stop doing all these other things that are taking energy away from that bigger picture, which yeah. is to do something there because I think I owe that to myself and that's where I, that's where I see my, that's where I see it going. Yeah. Who do you think the, who do you think you're going to like, from competition aspect in the U.S., who do you think like the uh, you think you see anybody coming up, or is it going to be yeah. a status quo? Who do you see coming up? Depends. I mean, you don't you don't ever know, right? Like how how much further a junior or under twenty three's engine is going to grow. Yeah. But for sure, my teammate Zach is going to win more races than he won last year. Um, he's his engine will grow more, and he will get. He's a very good bike handler especially in this like really slippery mud, mm -hmm. he, he's the best. In the really slimy, light stuff, he can, he can crush. Um, but his engine isn't as big as some of the other guys. Logan Owen, he's, he put out some really impressive lap times last year, so we look at it cycle cross. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. You know, it's not like, oh man, he did 500 watts for five minutes. He's <laughs> like, you know, dude, he did a fast lap, but he did faster than the pros. So it's hard to know where he'll stand, but he has a lot of support with Specialized now. Yeah. Um, Yannick Ekman, is definitely a guy that I think is is impressive. Um, he'll he has the right head for it as well. I don't know Logan at all, but I know Yannick, and Yannick's got a really good head on his shoulders, and he's strong. Um, for me personally, you know, Ryan is the other guy that can definitely if if things if the stars line up for him, if he's like excited and he's in the right mindset, he can definitely be he could be the strongest guy. Yeah, he's a pain in the ass. Yeah, he, he can definitely win a lot of races. But this year, truthfully, you know, I get excited because all the Euros are going to be over here for the first half of the year. Really? What for? Uh, sponsors. Oh, wow. Yeah, I mean, I don't know that it's announced yet, but, you know, you hear it through the grapevine. But I've heard that, you know, the, like, so all, like a lot of the top ten guys from the World Cups are right, going to be for, be here through Vegas all the way through Gloucester. Wow. Mm -hmm. And so that's, like, those are our, those are our, like, yeah. you know, our classics. Yeah. And so if the Europeans are coming over for those, and those are courses that I know and I do well on, and the ability to really smash them, yeah. like to take them at my own, like hometown course without any BS, no like bad flights. Let them deal with building their bikes. All these things that come up from, you know, international travel and getting to an event. If Not I can be, be home, basically. Yeah. If I can be home, yeah, I can have a chance to swing at them like I did in Cincinnati. Yeah. And I only got two shots really last year, which was Cincinnati, where I got on the podium at third, and then Worlds, and Worlds didn't go well for me. Yeah. Um. So. Should tell that story about worlds. Tell me. <laughs> tell me. The morning before worlds, no one ever heard the story. But the morning before worlds, and I was gonna tell Villain it, but since this is a much more laid back forum, and we're cool on Villain. No, I like you guys Villain. But we're a little cool. Okay, we're whatever. Yeah. I had this blood control, where the guy almost killed me. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. He put the needle through my vein. Yeah, <clears throat> and uh, my my vein, vein my vein came about three inches out of my arm. It came out of your arm. Yeah, it was like I was about that high out, and and he told me to relax, and then he told me that I was dehydrated, and meanwhile I was like I, I he was like I just had my arm off, and, and the thing was is that to set the tone like you know it's the morning before the world championships, so they're one of the biggest races of my life, and I've trained and I've motor paced and I've literally trained in like twenty degree weather with like a baklava on and my coach like you know Al was down there that you met yesterday like motor pacing I mean 
a fucking ton of effort went into this race. Yeah. You know, I was and like, you saw it my potentially ass. slipping away. No, no, no. It definitely slipped away. And then, and then, so in the morning, you know, I'm sitting there with this guy and he comes in and he's acting super cocky and arrogant and he's young, like phlebotomist. And the woman from the UCI there, I know because I've gotten blood tests from her before. And so that's all, everything's status quo. And I don't expect any issues. It's like a morning blood control. This happens all the time. And, um, and basically, he like had me hang my arm off the side over here. Like normally you, you, you would put it, put it on the table. Put it on the table. And he had me hang my arm off the side. And then he like hit the vein and then he pulled it out and then he went back in. And and then the vein, I was like I was just like, I felt weird. Yeah. And uh and he was like, dude, you're super dehydrated, bro. You're super dehydrated. And I just remember being like, This guy's an idiot. This guy's a yeah. tool. I cannot stand what's happening right now, but this is no big deal. And then he's like, Oh, oh no. And I look down, and my vein is out of my arm. Oh, fuck. And I'm like, dude, what the fuck are you doing? And he's like, oh, fuck. Oh, fuck. He's going to bleed out. And he yanks. He's going to bleed out. Yeah. Yeah, dude. And he ripped the needle out of my arm, and blood just started coming down my arm. And I passed out. Oh. I passed out because I thought, I thought I was dead. Oh. And you're, so my- people know that you are also a hypochondriac. Uh, oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, this so, is so like, this is your worst nightmare. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Oh, definitely. <laughs> yeah. No. No. This was like this sent this the was... full adrenaline, like reload meter, like in the red. No, I passed out. Yeah. And I almost threw up. Like I woke up and then I almost vomited. You dumped all your adrenals. Oh yeah. Yeah. That was at nine in the morning. Oh. Yeah. I mean, in this like world, so you know, it's like they've changed the schedule already. We're a day earlier than we were. So like, I'm just getting like fucked up just thinking about it. Yeah. So what happened? So you, you pass out. Yeah, I, I laid on the couch. They didn't get enough blood, so they took a partial sample and they they essentially left. How do you put your vein back in? Well, my vein didn't come out. Like, it was underneath there, but it just it blew up like it backed up. Yeah. I mean that's you what, burst the vein. No, it didn't like burst. It got black and blue. I don't really know. I don't know anything about it. I assume well, actually. Back on let me let me let me be. This <laughs> is oh god. Back in my postal days. Okay. You got pretty good at injecting yourself with vitamins. Okay. And I can legitimately say it was just vitamins. I was looking straight in the eyes and vitamins. Okay. But they used to do these things. They would give you like cement, uh, magnesium, vitamin mm-hmm. C, uh, glutathione. I've never had any injectable vitamins, so I don't know. Well, then I'm cooler than you. <laughs> and if you uh, went to inject yourself in the vein, mm-hmm. you would... Uh, Sometimes if you pass through the vein, you know, the vein would actually like kind of burst right there and you'd get this huge blob under your skin. Oh, fuck. So I toured Georgia one year. I toured Georgia the year Lance won. Um, normally you have a doctor who gives you these post-recovery injections. This is when it was still legal, right? It's not legal to do injections now. Yeah. But it was legal. Normally there's a doctor that comes to the room and says, hey, do you want a recovery injection? And it's all placebo. It was all bullshit. Like, the vitamin C's, B's, glutathione, whatever, it just, it didn't work. Yeah. I think you just felt like you were getting away with something. Like, oh, I'm getting it in the vein. So, it never fucking worked. But this race, they didn't have a team doctor. Right? Like, so they just gave Damon Kluke and I a room together. And they just gave Damon Kluke and I all these needles and vitamins. And when we were freaking out, we were totally stressed. Like, oh... We, we do we have to be recovered lances in yellow like we have to inject this stuff yep and we just do we were stabbing ourselves <laughs> just bleeding all over the place oh our hotel room looked like a fucking murder happened yeah 
So I'm finally, sure. finally, I just said, "Fuck <laughs> this! This isn't worth it." We had to start the next day with arm warmers. It was 80 degrees out. We started with arm warmers because our arms were black and blue. So I just said, "Fuck it! Like I can't do this anymore. This is stupid." Kluke every night was like, "Dude, we have to do this. We have to be recovered. We're freaking out." Yeah. So he still does it every night, stressing out, like making himself black and blue. End of the race, team director comes by to pick up the trash, the uh, medical trash. And he grabs my stuff and he's like, oh, you didn't use anything. And I say, yeah, because I do, I couldn't do it. Like, I, I, was, I, was, uh, I was missing the vein all the time. And he kind of goes, oh, 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 Neo, bro. <laughs> he goes to Kluke and he's, he says, Kluke, you didn't use it either. And Kluke's like, what the fuck are you talking about? With these vitamins, one side is powder, one side's liquid. You mix the two to make it. So Kluke was just injecting himself with sterile water. Constantly injecting himself with sterile water and stressing out about it the whole time. Oh, so that's well, that's great. Yeah, but so you've never injected yourself, so <laughs> I haven't. So like, all right, so, so that's so, maybe that's what happened. So after your little adventure, like that just kind of blew you out, huh? Yeah, I mean, you were just done after that. That was a that mentally. Was, yeah, I mean, and, and that's not to say like. Right, so the UCI got an email from me, and I yeah. was pissed. Tersely worded. Yeah, I was pissed, and I was like, I expect, I expect an explanation for this, and I expect you guys to make a change. Like, yeah. you guys can't just hire someone that doesn't know what they're doing to yeah. come in, and you guys got, you have to bring your own staff. Yeah. Like, you have to have people that can be held responsible for something like this. Like, I'm, I'm a pro. You guys ruined like, one of the biggest races in my life. That, like, you know, and I had a lot riding on the line, and I don't blame it all on them. But for sure, like, that definitely impacted my performance, and that's not what anti-doping's about. Yeah. So I'm all for the controls. I'm all for all that stuff. But you guys, this is Instead this of getting a local contractor to have yep. a guy on staff. Yep. And they apologized, and, you know, we had, like, a, an adult conversation about it, but I was still pissed. Yeah. Because it definitely took, if nothing, some wind out of the sails. I mean... Sure. Yeah. I mean, you're throwing up the morning before the race. Like, something's off balance. Oh. You know, you you've dumped adrenals, like you're stressed. It's I can tell you're stressed because I remember I texted you like 48 hours, 24 hours before. I was like, hey, Powers, you're like, yeah. And I'm like, dude, got worlds in the US. You yeah. gotta soak it up, buddy. And I got like no reply. Yeah, and no, I was like, well, oh, I was definitely home. nervous. I was like, homeboy's freaking out. No, I mean, that's a big deal, right? Like, yeah. you, you got a lot of, we're, we're, you know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we're going to bed early. We're like, you know, it's it's not, there's not any other reason to be there. And like, that, that's how I sort of, that's, I don't, I try nowadays not to put it on myself like that, but you know the reason to want to perform—that that's that's the whole thing. Like, yeah, it's not, yeah. there's not any other. I'm not like, oh hey, yeah, isn't that cool? Like, all those things I've already said. You know, I'm sitting there thinking about those. Like, I I'm here, and this is what I'm here to do. Yeah. So I want to smash. So so yeah, that wasn't ideal. How did we get talking about that? I don't even know. We get that in there. No. Hey, do you remember the time <laughs> that I texted you saying I was Ivan Stevic? Yeah, I remember that. That freaked me out. <laughs> I was so scared. So, for people who don't know, like, Ivan Stevic came out that he was part of some drug bust, HDH, EPO, whatever, and then you said something like, this fucking guy, on some social media site, I don't know if it was Twitter. No, 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 I told Huff. I told Huff about well, it. Well, it wasn't even on social it media wasn't, site? Wasn't, I told oh. Huff about it, and then you texted me. Oh, that's what it was. Okay, so, from your, so, so Huff says... <laughs> From someone else's number. So Huff's... No, it was from my number. I, did, I don't think you had my number. So so Huff's... I don't know how... So Huff... Maybe I sit next to Huff and he's like, Hey, can you believe this motherfucker did this? He was racing against us. What an asshole. Yeah. 
So then I know you didn't have my number, so I texted you. Yeah, because like, it, but but the only like it had come from someone else and it hadn't really been out yet. Yeah. And then I, so I texted you like, "Hey, Jeremy?" Question mark. And you said, "Yes." Who is this? I was like, "This is Ivan." No, you said, "This is Is." <laughs> and I was like, uh, "I don't know who Is is." And then as I read it, it was, "Keep my fucking name out of your mouth, or I'll kill you." And I was like, "Oh shit." <laughs> Ah, oh, shit. <laughs> well, that's not going to be good at the next race. Because I was, like, heading to Philly the next day where I know who's going to be or something. I was like, oh, that's, that's great. Like, that's going to be really comfortable. Like, all right. That's part of the game, too. That's how I know Mike Creed. Thanks, buddy. Thank you.